Causing the Effect, a podcast focused on the exploration of your mind, body, and spirit. Yo, what's going on, Causing the Effect community? I'm here with Tina Brigley, 2021 coach, top coach. Is that accurate? Did I see that the right way? It is. Yes, I know. Wow. I Some days I'm like, pinch me. Is it really true? Is this really happening? Yeah, Tina's like the real deal. I was a little nervous for this one, but um, let's just, I just want to get into the story and all this good stuff. We're going to ch- talk about the work and all that stuff she's doing, but like, what was the, what was the process? What, what did Tina look like at 15 years old? Like, what did you want to do? How did you end up coaching? Tell, start the story wherever you'd like. Okay. So, uh, oh man, 15 years old, I was a follower. I was just trying to do whatever it took to fit in and to blend in with the crowd, not stand out so much. Uh, and, you know, it's really interesting because when I reflect back, I can see how that showed up even in my adulthood. Don't stand out. Don't be seen. Just kind of flow, jive with everybody else. But as a coach, when I started, being seen, it was really, really uncomfortable to the point where I started sabotaging my success because of my fear of being seen. And, uh, you know, of course, during this process, and I'm sure we're going to talk about a whole bunch of things that happened, Mm -hmm. so many breakthroughs. But one of the biggest ones that I realized is that when I was bullied, you know, seventh grade, who do you think you are? You think you're so perfect. I had no idea that that was impacting my business. I had no idea that that was still playing in the background, hiding beyond my view. Uh, And so when I had this realization, things just started shifting in my life in a big, profound, huge way, personally and professionally. Nice. And and what age was that? And like, what got you into this space? Because I'm sure not not a lot of people just say when they're growing up, I'm going to be a coach. It kind of you're kind of just gravitated towards it. No, I was a teacher. teacher. I was actually a special education teacher. And one day I had this experience of, man, I'm wishing my life away. You know, when you go in on Monday morning and you wish it was 3 p.m. And then Friday, you wish it was Saturday. And when it's Thanksgiving, you wish it was Christmas. And then when it's Christmas, you wish it was the summer vacation. I felt I was always wishing for the next break. And then I had this realization, wow, I'm literally wishing my life away. Is this where I'm supposed to be? Isn't life supposed to be fun? Am I supposed to be doing this? But I felt really guilty because I'd gone to school for five years. I had a degree. I had multiple degrees. And I thought this is where I was supposed to be. And who am I to be so selfish to want more? $100,000 a year job, pension, benefits. Summer's off. You know, Summer's off. (laughs) Summer's off. (laughs) You know, and, uh, and so I felt guilty and I felt that I didn't really deserve more and people just don't quit a good thing. Uh, and then when I had this, eye awakening, you know, experience of what if there is more to life, what if I could have more in life? And I thought this is something worth exploring. And at the same time that I was kind of feeling this way in my job, I had recently been separated from my husband. I was in this situation where I had my children half the time. And I was, what am I going to do with all this time? I don't love my job. I don't love being alone. I don't love all of these things. What am I going to create? And so I was online one day and (laughs) this is such a funny story, but it's the truth. So, you know, when things keep you stuck in life, what do you do? You go to Google and, and ask the Type question, right? Yeah, well, absolutely. <laughs> so my question to Google is, why am I stuck in life? And then um, Google popped up like 10 reasons. It, it was something really crazy. Um, it, it was it was like almost like not a swear word that popped up, but it was something that was so comical. And I thought, are people actually Googling this? Is this a real thing here? I am trying to be funny. Like, and, and yeah, it was a real thing. People were asking the same questions. And so in that moment, there was a pop-up to become a health coach. Mm. And I thought a health coach, what the heck is a health coach? And so I 
clicked on this webinar and I started seeing, wow, maybe I could be a coach. So the first thing I did is I called my friends and I said, oh my gosh, I just watched this webinar to become a health coach. I think I could be a coach. And both people that I reached out to laughed out loud and they said, I don't know if this is a PG, but um, no curse all you want, please. Okay. The the better. So they said, Tina, <laughs> you're a shit show in your own life. How could you coach somebody else? <laughs> uh, and I thought, no, 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 this is something that I think I could really do. So I signed up to be a health coach. And in that process, I started seeing that I was stuffing my emotions by being busy, by drinking, by, you know, doing all of these things. And I just started letting go of those things. I started becoming more aware. Uh, and then it, it was not even a year later, somebody asked me, do you want to be a teacher or a coach? And I said, well, I would love to be a coach, but that's just not possible. Give up the safety, the security. And shall I say again, summer's off. Yeah. <laughs> Who does that? Nobody does that. And six weeks later, I did. I just jumped. I said, what if? What if this is possible? And people thought that I was, they said to me, you're selfish. You have two daughters that you have to worry about. What if it doesn't work? What if you lose all your money? What if, blah, blah, blah. and it was like all of their, what if scenarios they were trying to place on me. And then I just kept thinking, well, what if it does work? What if I can stop wishing my life away? What if I can make this happen? Is it not worth trying? And so I did. I just jumped. Man. And that's like the crucial point of this. So there's a couple things that Tina did there. First, first well, first, I want to I'm going to take it back to the, 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 the separation with your husband. I got divorced probably it's been like three years now. And that's what kickstarted this journey of like, got to live the life I want to live. And something just changed to me. I don't know. Did you feel a similar thing there? Like you were kind of living unconsciously for a little bit. And then when the breakup, because I feel like when you go through something, just there, there's some sort of shift in, in a mindset or shift in, in something, how much did that affect you and, and this movement towards um, this passion? Yeah. So I think when my husband and I separated, I, I was sitting in my, I remember vividly, I was sitting in my backyard. I was looking at my beautiful custom built home, sitting by my pool, watching my beautiful daughters playing. And I had this feeling like, is this it? Like, is this my life? And feeling again, the guilt, the shame. You have everything you want. What are you complaining about? What are you unhappy about? But I felt really unfulfilled. And I thought that it was out there. You know, like I, I had to find happiness out there. I had to do something different to feel this joy. And I realized later in hindsight, right? It was that I wasn't happy with myself. I wasn't happy with my situation. I wasn't, I didn't love myself. Really, that's what it boiled down to. And I was allowing my guilt and my shame to keep me stuck in my life. And I had to really be willing to believe that I could create my life and I could create it the way that I wanted to. And so when I took that one courageous action, which was so hard to do, because I really, I didn't worry about money. I didn't, you know, everything I had everything. And then in that moment, I thought it's, it's just things. There's something else. And I, I remember when I left, I was living in my mom's basement apartment and I was living out of a suitcase. <laughs> and, then, and then I had the other realization holy shit, what did I do? Like literally I went to riches to rags. I went from having everything to having nothing. And then in that moment, I felt so whole and complete, which sounds so weird because it didn't matter about the things. It was almost as if I was having this experience of rebuilding from nothing, mm -hmm. divorcing myself, divorcing my ex, divorcing my life and rebuilding from nothing. So this coaching thing was almost the second step in rebuilding, divorcing my education or my, my career as an educator for 14 years. That was another divorce that I had to let go of. So it was really this beautiful unfolding of events, scary as hell. I mean, sure. there wasn't a moment that I wasn't scared. 
especially when I went to the bank machine to take out $200 and it beeped at me because I had insufficient Mm -hmm. funds. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I thought, how did this happen? (laughs) And, and I laughed in that moment because there was this inner knowing that it's temporary. This is, this is going to be part of my story but it, it it's temporary. I really did believe that there was something bigger for me. And then my next thought was, okay, this is my current situation. What's my next action to get me out of this current situation? And I thought, well, I need to go create clients, get outside of your pity party and go do what you are meant to do. Make an impact in somebody's life. Mm-hmm. No, I'm with you. I did the same, the same thing. I was, I was married, beautiful girl. We built the house. We had money, not worrying. And I was like, and I, I did everything. I don't know if, the, if you, you were similar, but I was just doing everything that was kind of told to me, like in Brooklyn, you know, marry the Italian girl, have money. That, and I had, I'm sitting, I'm like, this doesn't feel right. I was like, I think I fucked this up. And uh, I, I went through the same thing, $600 to my name, blah, 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 blah. But I felt, I just felt like I had to go through the pressure to like create the diamond almost. Like I knew like, this is just part of it. Like if you don't go through that, you wouldn't be able to know that you could handle everything that you could possibly handle, which leads into that next piece I wanted to talk about. You spoke about letting go. What did, what did that look like from the inside? Was that what you were discussing with like really letting go of the identity, maybe letting go of limiting beliefs? What did that letting go process look like? Because I know that's the hardest thing for me, at least even now, trying to figure out this identity of Scott and this being this podcaster and understanding, letting go of financial services, letting go of money, letting go of, oh, I talked to billionaires and be like this guy. Like, what did that look like for you? Oh man, that is such a deep question because for me, the last five years has been a continuous process of letting go. And I really discovered that when things happen in life, we make decisions about who we have to be in order to survive life. And those decisions shape our identity, create our identity. And I realized through a lot of personal development in training, I had created this false identity to keep me safe. I created the ice princess who keeps everybody at an arm's length away. I had created this persona of the shit show, the life of the party that masked the inner deep sadness that I had in myself. I created this whole persona of looking good on the outside, but then looking in the mirror and hating what I saw on the outside, but pretending I loved it. You know, there is all of these things that I just started seeing this person I had created. And when I started letting go, um, it took something to really see it and be willing to shed that identity. And it feels like, you know, you have this experience of being this person. And then there's this shadow that keeps following you (laughs) and, and really disconnecting from this shadow. Um, you know, people talk about this shadow identity and stuff like that. I didn't even know what that was. I didn't even know that it was, I just felt that this was me. This is the way it was going to be. This is the way I was always going to be. And, um, it was excruciating letting go. I mean, really physically painful Mm -hmm. to let go. Um, and why was it so painful? It was because she protected me my whole life. She kept me safe. She kept me, you know, hiding. She kept me from really expressing my true self, which I didn't have to ever deal with people disagreeing with me or not liking me. Or, you know, it was one of those things where at the next level, I realized it wasn't going to work. She wasn't going to help me get to the next level anymore. Uh, You know, I, I had this real profound breakthrough where I, I really wanted to express myself even inside of my business. I have three business partners. They're amazing. But, you know, I'm working with European men, strong personalities. Here I'm a Canadian woman. And I could see things that were missing, but I was too afraid to communicate it. Yes. And when I would start communicating, um, I would communicate in a way that really was off-putting. It was like a bull in the china shop, Right. Then all of a sudden, I just kept communicating that way and I kept getting shut down. And it was all beautiful because there was this thing bubbling, bubbling, bubbling. I knew I needed to break through something, but I didn't know what it was. And one day I said, guys, I said, like, I have this experience. Just shut up and do what you're told. And they're like, 
is that true? I said, I don't know, but it's just there. I feel like I'm always having to shut up and do what I'm told. They're like, what does this remind you of? And then I was like, what does it remind me of? I don't know. I don't know, but it's heavy. I can feel it in my throat. And then I remembered when I was 17 years old, I was in a very abusive relationship. And I remember one time and it was so deep. I hid it out of my view, but I remember him saying, um, he, he, I know this is a little bit, this is a little bit X-rated you guys, but he choked me one day and he said, how does it feel knowing you're going to die? And he said, why can't you just shut up and do what you're told? See, it's not what happened. It's who we decide to become when life happens. And I realized I decided to be quiet, just shut up and do what I was told because that would keep me safe. Now, when you're growing a multi-million dollar business and you have something to say and you see things that are missing that would make a difference, it no longer works to shut up and do what you're told. But I had to like, it was, it was so... I could not step over it anymore. I had to go digging to see where is this coming from? And I mean, I can think of a hundred things that goes back to letting go, letting go. Every breakdown was a breakthrough, but that's how it felt really painful in my throat, in my chest, in my heart, knowing this needs to be transformed. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. No. And I love that you brought like we talk about the shadow like that's uh, my favorite psychologist, Carl Jung. He created the, the shadow identity. And I think everybody should know by this on this podcast by now. Um, it's like the perceived personal inferiority that you recognize as like your deficiencies almost. And that's something I've battled with, even with COVID, because COVID was amazing to me. Like I was by myself. You could I really saw who I was. And now it's coming back. And it's like, See, I'm split, Tina. So if you look at, I'll, we're, I'm friends with you on Instagram, but you'll see, I'll friend you from the personal one. Great Scott. That's the New York City, Brooklyn Scott that I'm trying to shit away. That's probably the Tina from years ago. Drinking suits. I need people to love me and that. And then there's like causing the effects, Scott. When people see like, I'm confused. And I'm like, I'm honestly sort of confused as well. So I think, but letting go. And I th- I'm going to, I have to make the connection. You said ice princess, let it go. I mean, frozen. There's a, there's a, there's a tie right there. So. Is that, is that movie about you? Is that what, what happened? Oh yeah. That movie's totally about me. And um, <laughs> she got developed when I was four years old. So the beautiful story about this, and it's funny, it's comical now, but um, so I was out to dinner with my husband. He wasn't my husband at the time. It was mm-hmm. the introduction meeting, you know, I'm going to introduce you to my friends. And, and then of course, what do your friends do when they get together with a, a new potential boyfriend? They tell all the drama about you yep. and no. all your stories no, shit. Past and embarrass you. But one of my friends said, oh, Tina's the strongest person I know. She's like the ice princess. And after that conversation, I started thinking like this, that's how you guys see me. I'm the ice princess. I couldn't see it. I didn't think it was the truth. But no matter what happened to me in my life and like shit really happened, I was stone cold. It was almost like this impenetrable barrier that I would not show emotion. I would be strong. It didn't matter. Uh, That's who I was. But I remember sitting in a personal development seminar and um, looking at the genesis of my identity and, and this thing, you know, when you know that there's something wrong. I started looking for that. And I realized when I was four years old, my dad took me on vacation to go visit my aunt and uncle. I had never met them before. They lived in Calgary. So I went on an airplane meeting my cousins, my aunt and uncle for the first time. And it was really exciting by the mountains. And, and then that night, my dad went out with my uncle, but as a four-year-old, I really believed my dad took me on an airplane to leave me with these strangers. And he was never coming back. And so as a four-year-old, I was crying and begging him and holding his leg, you know, just please don't leave me. Please don't leave me. And he just kind of peeled me off of his leg and he walked out the door. And I remember I was crying, 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 hyperventilating, couldn't breathe. I was crying because in my mind as a four-year-old, my dad left me forever. I was never going to see him again. And my aunt said to me, oh, stop crying. Be strong. And so I made this connection, be strong means stop crying. And I had decided my dad was never coming back. And that was a moment of perceived failure. I couldn't get him to stay. So who did I have to be? I had to be strong. And after that, 
even my dad, I mean, he's passed on now, but he said, you were very, as a child, you were very serious. It was very hard for you to, to even smile. And I realized that's because that's who I decided I had to be in life. Very serious. Um, you know, be strong. Don't show emotion. Don't show your insecurities. And that's how the ice princess got born. Wow. When I saw this, I'm like, Oh my gosh, that beautiful four-year-old who's full of life. She made herself think that that wasn't safe to be her. So then I said, okay, girl, thank you so much for, for, for protecting me my whole life, for keeping me strong, but I get to show emotion and I get to allow love in and I get to open my heart up and trust, you know, that I can let people in and people aren't going to leave me. And it was just this beautiful moment of realization. And then I became the opposite, a little too over emotional. <laughs> I never would have guessed that. Like you're all giddy, you're happy. It's beautiful. It's a good see. That's, I know. But yeah, it wasn't like that before. Um, it, it really, this is the new version of me. Isn't that so cool too? <laughs> yeah, it feels really great to be full of joy and love and, and not be worried about getting hurt or people leaving me. Because that even reflected in my coaching clients. I was like an over deliverer. You know, I would give, give, give because the, the mirror was, I was afraid if I didn't give, if I couldn't be more, do more, that they would leave me. And then when I saw, oh man, this is how I've been showing up in my life. I get to let that part go too. It became a ripple. You just see how it shows up in area in all areas of your life. How you show up in one yeah. area is how we show up in all areas. And it was just, oh my gosh, I just saw it everywhere. I'm like, okay, okay, good. Thank you. Good to know. And like this work is, it's part awareness, right? You're, you're kind of connecting dots. So I feel this because of this, but now this work that you're doing a pinpoint, you kind of pinpointed these major, let's call them traumas or places you got to heal. What did that look like? Were these repressed for you? Because for me, We'll talk. Everybody knows my childhood by this point. It's a little crazy. I don't remember shit. And I feel like that's part of the problem. Like, were these things, like, what kind of work were you like meditating? Are you doing introspection? Are you, just, are you journaling? Like, what did that process look like? Or were you kind of, did you remember these? Like, this is, did you go back to like the most painful parts of your life? And let me, let me kind of investigate that. Yeah. For me, they weren't even painful. They were just mm -hmm. things that happened. Just I things. didn't even know that they were like traumas. Right. And so, um, this is what I say. We can't coach ourselves. I got coaching. I did a lot of personal development seminars. I have always invested in personal coaching because I really believe we don't know what we don't know. And our brain is designed to keep us in our comfort zone, keep us safe and protected. It won't allow us to look. We almost got to start digging a little bit. And so when I had this these few epiphanies and I saw the beauty in my life, what, you know, it, it, transformation doesn't happen over time. It happens in a moment where you see something that was outside of your view and you take actions. So when I saw this, then I wanted to become almost like a detective. I wanted to find more. I wanted to explore more. I was open to the possibility of discovering these blind spots. And then it became almost an addiction, a fascination. If I can transform this in this conversation, how many of how many more of those things can I discover for myself? And who will I be on the other side of that when I take that on? And so when I said earlier that it was really painful, it felt sometimes painful because when you are shedding something that's kept you safe for so long, um, your your brain wants to hang on to it. Your brain doesn't want to let go. And neither does your body because there's a mind body connection, Absolutely, you know, but on the other side of that was, um, freedom. And then I just started experiencing so much emotional freedom that I, I was just more, give me more, give me more. What else? What else? And I was going out seeking coaching. I know that I'm stuck against this. This is the pattern that's showing up in my life. Help me dig it out. And I don't know, call me crazy, but I love that shit now. <laughs> no, that's what it's about. And that's probably why you're such a good coach, right? Because I'm sure that's part of your coaching is basically doing what you did to yourself, to everybody. And it's easy because when you see your own patterns, it's easy to see it in others. So I can hear patterns in people's communication 
right away. And so because I've done this thousands of times, I've worked with thousands of coaches for me now, it's um, now that I've taken myself on, how quickly can I give others those breakthroughs? How quickly can I get them to see what they can't see so that they can take new actions to get new results? Uh, And it's really profound because I didn't have the courage to coach at that level because I hadn't been coached at that level. You know, and now that I have been and I see, um, I just see clearly now I see everything in life is patterns. Coaching is, is no different. Human beings are no different. We go through patterns and cycles. Um, and it's just easier to recognize now because I've seen my, my own. And I think it's so cool. Like you're the coach of coaches. So like that, that little ripple that you do for one coach, it's just sprinkling to their clients and like the, the, the effect that, that you're having, that must be like, cause I feel like you need to have something pulling you forward, not money, not, you know, not the nonsense, like, like something really fulfilling. Would you say that is what pulls you forward? Like that's part of this vision of Tina's? Oh my gosh. So this is my vision truly in my heart, in my being, in my essence, I have this vision that personal development, coaching, and therapy is going to be as essential and as, you know, normal as electricity and Wi-Fi. I really believe it's going to be in every business, every institution, every family, and people are just going to be opening their minds to this whole world of personal development. And we are going to raise the consciousness of the world. I truly believe that I've been put on this earth to serve that mission. And so because I have such a strong vision, I know that when I give coaches the courage to start looking, to start digging, just like I did, the the ripple effect is going to be at such a huge, huge level. It's going to be life-changing, world-changing. And I know it's a big vision, (laughs) but I think there's other people in the world that have had big visions as well. You know, why not me? If not me, then who? Absolutely. That's the right way to be. That'll pull me forward. Shit, that's pretty good. Now, how how do you balance the... For me, doing the, uh, I have a Tony Robbins coach, great, all that good stuff. There seems to be two two pieces of this puzzle for me, at least the way I look at it, because I, I break things down: the doing, hitting goals, that, and then your being, the stillness, the peace, the harmony. How does that look like for you in your program? And do you even look at it that way? Is it do you call it therapy and goal and personal development? Like, how does it look like from your end? And do you even agree with what I'm saying? Yeah. So one of the things I just recently, um, I've been resisting, right. That's another thing. We sometimes go through life resisting things that would make a difference in our life, but we don't know. We just kind of bump up against something. So one of the things that I was really resisting was being quiet. My whole life is always busy. I'm a super hyper achiever, run, 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 get shit done, get it done with velocity, rah, rah, rah. And then I thought, okay, but There's got to be something else. There's got to be this stillness that I can tap into. But I told myself this story. I don't have time for that. I got a mission. I got a vision. I got to go, 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 run, 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 because that's just how I've operated in my life. So a couple months ago, I started participating in silent retreats. So I would do an all day silent retreat, weekend silent retreats. And I make this part of my practice monthly where I just take a whole day of not even guided meditation or anything, really just focusing on my breath, focusing on being still, focusing on being quiet. And I found that in that moment of clarity after, there's a lot of emotion that gets released. There's a lot of, we start seeing our ways of being. And I started seeing that my ways of being are great for business, but not so great for personal I mean, I was skipping meals, not eating during the day, um, not honoring my time, not meditating during the day, not slowing down. Like before this podcast, you said, oh, you know, I went to the gym for three hours and I meditated for an hour. I'm like four hours of personal time, Mm -hmm. you know, but now I'm starting to see that there's so much value in that, but it's relatively new for me to be quite honest, because I'm such a hyper achiever, I struggle with slowing down. But once I did it and I saw the benefits in my life, 
now I see, I got to make time for this because next level requires me to be still. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, I was, I was burning it when I started this whole thing. I was probably, you know, you, you, I told you wake up 4am, do the stage job for podcasting. I was also doing, I'm still doing it, but it's harder stand up comedy at night. So stand up comedy at night does not go well with waking up at 4am and being a meditator and doing spiritual stuff. It was like a freaking, and I felt I was, I was hitting all my goals, but I'm like, I don't see my mother. I don't, I feel like I'm not connected. I'm worried about what's coming next. And now like th- this day, like Friday's my Scott day. Like I just take this day to just like, we're not going to stress. We're just going to take it. And there's something I'm like you, the doing Brooklyn. I talk fast. I do fast. We got to work fast. That stillness creates a quality of consciousness for me. Like my time with people is just, it's, it's refreshing. It's, it's vibrant. It's like this conversation, like I'm here, I'm in the moment. And I think for me, that's like my focus this year is like the quality of the consciousness of my life. Cause that's, you know, I try to look at life. There's no past, there's no future. It's just where the, 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 the eternal present is what truly matters. When you start doing that, you're, you just, your processes are more efficient. You are more efficient as a person. And like everything's kind of hitting on all cylinders. So for that, that whole thing, I agree with you hundred percent. Cause I think it's, it's good to, for anybody listening to this to realize maybe you're more of a being person. You just, but maybe you got to learn how to do, and that's what you got to work on. Me and Tina just happen to be crazy people that just want to keep, keep pushing. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, I shared earlier about how, um, my husband and I separated. What I didn't share is that we actually got back together three years later. Oh, that's and, nice. And so we were together for three years. And then I realized, you know, um, and actually in this podcast, this is the first time I've actually shared this with anybody. Um, I'm assuming this is going to come out later on and it's going to be public. Um, but I realized in the stillness, in the quiet, that my husband and I were together we, there was a lesson we got to learn together. Um, and we got to be great parents together and we got to, to have what we have. And I realized in the quietness that, um, divorcing him is divorcing my old self, even next level. And it's something people would not quite understand because I say, my husband's my best friend. I love him. We have the best communication ever. And, getting divorced for the second time. Now it's a different experience for us because um, we tried it and we realized that in the stillness next level for me, I'm still, I'm being held back a little bit because we're two extraordinarily different human beings. And because I have such a big vision And um, I know what it's going to take to fulfill in that vision. And people might think, oh, my gosh, why would you divorce somebody that you love and have great communication with? Because it's no longer filling your vision of what's like, it doesn't make sense. And I really do believe that this is what we're going through now. There's going to be another evolution of relationships. There's things that I'm going to learn that I'm going to give away to others. Um. it's kind of like all unfolding right now, but our ability to communicate and to just be really clear with what we want and what we need and saying, I love you. And because I love you, I'm letting you go. And he even said to me, I love you. I don't want to let you go, but I know that I'm holding you back. Mm -hmm. And then I say, I love you. I don't want to let you go. And I know I'm holding you back. And so it's this beautiful letting go, but not because we don't love each other, but because our life is just going in different directions and we get to create more intimacy in our relationship, not being married to each other. It's so not typical. It's so not (laughs) what usually happens. Um, And for us, it, 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 there's this we see that we are meant to be together and not meant to stay together. That's no, I, I think there's a level of, of, of high emotional maturity, emotional intelligence. Like I, I can't really comprehend it because nobody, none of my exes talk to me. So good for, good for you guys. <laughs> Cause I think I, I, I'm similar to that. Like if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but then, you know, everybody got to do the drama and stuff. So I, I love that. And particularly for the children, right. That's probably the best part is that the kids don't, don't get to, you know, see their, their parents, you know, Hating each other. I'll tell you, I'll tell you my story quick, quickly. Everybody knows by this point. Um, growing up, my father was selling uh, coffee in the coffee business. Coffee. It was not coffee. It was cocaine. So 
he went to the witness protection program, disappeared. I didn't know any of this until three years ago when my grandfather got out of jail. My father ratted on my grandfather, put him in jail. And my grandfather told me the whole thing. And I was like, holy shit, like this is the whole story. And the whole time growing up as a kid, my mother's like, I'm sure she was trying to protect me, but she said, your dad's just not here. Like, you, you know, he's just not around. I was like, so just understanding that gave me some like, well, at least there's a real freaking reason. Like my dad's a fuck up, but like even understanding that that's the trauma, I guess I would have to dig in more on, um, you know, that, that just to, uh, there will be a movie made about me and Ryan Gosling will play me. I'm sure, you know, it's just, it's just how it is. So like these little stories, like, cause I feel like I, for me, like you pinpointed your, your, you could, at least you, you remember them. I was like, holy shit. So there was, I'll tell you one quick, another quick story. Like I always had, when I started meditating, I had this weird thing, like, I, I, a cop was pulling me from my father. And I was like, that's not real. Like, that's crazy. What do you know? My grandfather fucking told me that that's the day my father got pulled from me. I was like, holy shit. Like this stuff is crazy. Um, so for me, I, I look more like that. I need that meditation. Cause I really, that I think, you know, growing up without a, a father, you're always, I had great guys around me, but you're still missing that kind of belief and that self-worth and that, you know, thing that I think could come naturally to some men, maybe more than others, or maybe I'm, I'm wrong, but um, not quite a natural confidence for me. I kind of had to grow it from the ground up, which I think makes me like appreciate it more in a way, you know? Yeah. You know, it's, we don't always see those things as traumas, Mm -hmm. but whenever there is that emotional experience, what we do is we create something to deal with that emotion. We create a view of ourselves and who we have to be. And in order to live into that story, right. um, We give up something in that process. And so when we're, you know, even if it's not conscious, if we've blocked it out of our memory, um, there's still an emotional residue, right? And so when people sometimes have that same emotion later on in life, it's like, it's usually not about what's happening right then and there. It's a residual from something in the past. So I say, our body has this innate wisdom and these emotions sometimes come up to transform something that we can't see, but we're so busy going through life, trying to stuff these emotions, hide these emotions, pretend they're not there, be busy, be this, be that, instead of just getting quiet and saying, okay, wait a minute, where is this emotion coming from? Where's this trigger coming from? And usually when we do get quiet, like you're saying in your meditation, the answers are already there. They're within us. We might've buried them deep in our psyche, deep in our unconscious, but when we get quiet, they will, if they're ready to be transformed, they will rise. They will come to the surface. Now, not a lot of people know how to deal with that. Once it comes up, that's why we need coaches sometimes to just help us manage these strong emotions you know, even though I coach coaches, I have coaches Sure. because <laughs> I can't coach myself. It doesn't matter how evolved you are as a human being. Our brain is primitive. Our brain doesn't want us to see what we've been protecting, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. so it's really amazing that you spend so much time in the stillness. Um, I need it because my, I'm a, I, I'm more, you know, I'm a doer and that's the, it's, it's a lot of, it's peacefulness has been the hardest thing for me. And it's like, I, what I do is I'll do my meditation. And then the stillness that we're talking about, um, Eckhart Tolle, are you familiar with Eckhart Tolle? Yeah. Yeah, of course. That's my guy. I went to his retreats and he was the one that suggested just keeping the stillness close to you. So every hour, if work gets a little crazy, just keeping, just takes five minutes, just five minutes to keep, remember that we are, we are all kind of one. We are the eternal present, all that kind of, you know, the woo stuff that, that you go through. But I just like, it's hard for me to, I, I try to d- describe this to people like these things you can't really talk about. Like it's even hard, like the English language is not built for. It's just like, just go sit with your thoughts for a minute, call it introspection, call it contemplation, call it meditation, whatever you want to call it. Cause I got my little cousins. When I say meditation to my little cousins, 18 year old kids from Staten Island, they won't have any of it. But I tell you, just, just put down your phone, give me your phone for 10 minutes and see. And they feel so much better. It's such, it's not difficult. You know, when you sit, you naturally just your, um, your nervous system will calm down. Everything kind of calms down. So these are things. And I think part of like what you're talking about is part of my vision, right? There's like just making kids aware of this, making like, you don't, you don't gotta be on Instagram 24 seven. You don't like you're wasting your time. And now you see uh, New York city with gambling gambling's legal here. I don't like what I'm seeing from kids on their phone and my kids at work, you're listening, you know, everybody's kind of getting busy, busy. And it's like, everybody's becoming more unconscious in a way. And I think coaching, all of this stuff, stillness, doing, being, all this stuff is like the, the, the way to combat it in a way, because 
we're all going to do this together. We're all going to like rise each other in a way where you, you're going to have to, because now there's such an uncertainty, particularly in America. That's like, just, it's like, why it, life is, this stuff isn't, it's not simple, but it's not, you know, it's, it's straightforward at least just takes you, you have to put the time in, you know? Yeah. I mean, we overcomplicate everything. Right. And it's all like, I say, it's just stories that we create, you know, relationships, technology. It's, I can't, I can't be away from my phone. I can't be, my relationship has to be this way. And when we get a divorce or, you know, it's got to be turbulent and it's got to be because people are, you know, we're always looking to blame somebody else for our current situation. But if we can just be responsible for our life and how it turns out, it's like how many kids are on their phones with anxiety? They're like, oh, I'm so anxious. Well, you're anxious because you're comparing and despairing. You're looking for all the reasons why your life is shit and why you're not good enough. And you have these anxious thoughts and feelings. And it's like, but they're not aware that this is what's actually happening. And then it's going to get to a point where every time there's a breakdown, there's a breakthrough, but we're going to start as a culture. We're going to start breaking down so much that we're going to have all of these things that just bubble to the surface. And then that's going to create a a breakthrough. That's when we're going to say, okay, when are we going to turn our phones off? When are we going to get present? When are we going to be present for those that are right in front of us? Because we're going to have this epiphany. I really, truly believe it. We are the creators of our life. We are the creators of our destiny. And if things aren't working, we got to start looking for ways to make them work. It's not always easy because sometimes you have to go against the norm. You have to go against the grain in order to stand for your life. But when you do, you give others the courage and permission to do the same thing. Now, what happens is we have all these people taking a stand for, I'm taking my life back. It's going to go the way that I say it goes. Whether it doesn't matter what we're talking about, we got to be willing to stand, even if we mean it's standing alone, because that's the only way we're going to see change in our world, change in our life. And I don't think people, and and that, that's the thing, because I hear a real, you know, I'm a real one, authentic, and, but everybody's going with the same ebb and flow. You can't be authentic in yourself and unique if you're going with the flow of the crowd. You can't. You can't have both of those. Um, and even saying that to some kids, like they're kind of, you know, like even understanding how NLP works and like where your focus goes, energy goes, like that simple stuff, like having a name, simple things could really like alter a little bit. In, and, you know, I made every mistake in the book in my 20s. So my goal is like, just just help the kids out. Don't, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to, I made the mistakes. Well, I'll just listen to this and we'll be able to kind of help each other. So. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I, I always say like life, we got the value we get in life is based on our participation in life. Mm, so we're either on the court or we're in the stands. We're either watching the game or we're playing the game and playing the game. I really truly feel is about how can we experience joy? That is the game of life for me. How can I do life with freedom, ease, and joy, even though I'm growing you know, a multi seven figure business. How can I do that with freedom, ease, and joy? How can I do it without being attached to the outcome? How can I do it with love in my heart? How can I do it? Not in a salesy way, but in a real person centered way. That to me is what life is all about. And it's not even the the financial rewards. It's who I get to become while I'm hitting those financial gains. Mm -hmm. It's who my clients get to become when they're hitting their, you know, level of success, whatever that is for them. And at the end of my life, however long or short it is, I want to know that every day I had joy in my life. And that's the point. That's the point, right? Yeah. And if I'm not, if something isn't giving me joy, you know, it's my responsibility to clean that up. I love that. That's it. You know, um, and it sounds simple. Maybe it sounds a little significant. I don't know, but I just feel like we're at a precipice for something great. I think all this stuff that's been happening with COVID and, um, you know, the whole, um, the civil unrest and, and all the shit corruption. Like everything. There's an awakening, you know, some of the, you know, if we go too spiritual, we'd say there's a great awakening. It's just, people are just waking up a little bit, you know? Um, it, it's really that simple to say, okay, it's not that anything's new. There's always been corrupt politicians. It's been the way it's been the whole time. Now we are just aware of it. And I think these tools where people are going to have to use to offset 
the bullshit and to understand, you know, because yeah. instead of sitting and getting angry at the mayor, what, what is that going to do? You have to work on your personal sphere first, change your inner yeah. world, and then everything kind of changes um, on the outside. Okay, let's get some let's get some uh, steps here, some some action steps, like you know, because <laughs> we're talking all about stillness. People are like, what the hell? It's supposed to be coaching stuff. Okay, so you have I have people emailing me, Tina. I'm sure you get this a lot. Like that first step, Tina. I'm working a nine to five job. I have a passion, whatever it is, making up, making pottery, whatever, pick, pick something random. How do I go about taking action? Because that first step, I feel like is the hardest step for people. How would somebody go ahead, take action? So I say the only difference between fear and excitement is the exhale. Hmm. You know, when you see fireworks, you hear that initial like blow and it's like loud and you get scared and you hold your breath. Then you see the beauty and you exhale. When you have a burning passion, a desire inside of you um, that you know that you really want to take action on, some people think they have to leave their job. They have to go cold, to, like, you know, just jump in. Sometimes you can just take an action to pursue it and see it as an exciting venture. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. It can be like a side thing. It could be a weekend thing. It could be dip my toes in, but take an action towards something that you love doing. You know, if it's pottery, you love pottery, you know, maybe you want to create a workshop where you invite a few of your friends and you do pottery together. You don't know where it's going to go or what's going to unfold, but it's that one action. Um, and I say people go out looking for their purpose. I say you can't find your purpose. Your purpose evolves in the action. And the mm. first action is will lead to the second, to the third, to the fourth. And don't be attached to the way that it looks. Don't be attached to a, desti a destination. Just take that first step. And, and I think really just seeing it as an excitement thing. It's exciting. It doesn't have to be fear. Fear and excitement are both stories. Choose, choose the energy you want to attach to it. Fear and scarcity and lack or excitement and abundance and fun. Mm -hmm. Yep. No. Yep. And, and, and I, I attest that. So, uh, I went after my, I had like debilitating stage fright as a kid, like debilitating, horrible. The, we, uh, did stand up comedy doing the two years. And my, um, what happened was a year and a half. And my cousin said, listen, we booked you for the biggest showcase in New York city. Get ready. And like in that two months, I was so sick to my stomach, but like I worked my ass off and I won the whole thing and I was fucking dope. Like that was still the best day of my life. It's like in your fear, there is something there. There's like a lesson or there's something. And I just feel like, like uh, the purpose thing, right? I liked how you said that. Cause I feel like it's all like chasing a star that like sort of moves. It's like, Oh, this feels right. But, uh, let's tweak it a little bit, but you got to keep moving towards it. You got to keep taking action. Um, that's very cool. Cool stuff. Too. Yeah. Brene, Brene Brown calls it your FFT, your first F in time. Anytime you do something for the first time, you feel a lot of fear. Like that emotion is coming from a past experience chances are if we had more time, there was something that happened in the past in public speaking where maybe mm -hmm. somebody laughed or whatever the case may be. But you see, when we go to do it again, we've made a decision that wasn't safe to do. So when we go to get on a stage, but we have the residual of a past experience, it's like, oh, but I can't do this. But then it's like the other thing on the other side of that is, but there's this real passion to get on the stage and share my comedy and share my gift with the world. And we can be attached to the fear or we can be attached to, you know, the experience of doing what we love. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think people think the fear goes away. It doesn't go away. I just think you, you become more courageous as you go. So like, and that's kind of cool. It's not that something's disappearing. It's that I like leveled up. Like, I don't give it like, I really don't, I don't care now. I, and that now I could give the best man speech at my cousin's wedding this year. And I could be hilarious. Blah, 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 blah. So even if like. Because I, I look at it like how you kind of say it's like life's I try to treat the, the side stuff like it's a game. Right. So I'm just trying to figure this out, like be able to this. Maybe it's that. Um, and I am thinking, honestly, for me, comedy is like it's a step in the right direction, but it may not be the answer because I need it. Uh, for me, connection is the biggest thing, like true connection with people on a deeper, deeper level. So I'm still kind of working out what that is. But um, that's just kind of my story a little bit. Yeah, it's really beautiful, you know, and um, sometimes we have this inner knowing. But because we never take that one action, we never know if it really is the path that we should be on because we just sit there with this fear and um, and don't take action. And then we stay exactly where we are. But every time we take a courageous action, um, then the next one is a little easier. 
and a little easier. And so those first things that seem like such great big things, they become pretty easy. You know, it's like when you make an investment for $500, it's like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of money. But then the next investment that's a thousand, it doesn't seem as you know, because you've already made that one. And I started thinking about that too, with personal development. It's like, this was a big deal. My first personal development seminar was $700 us. And I'm like, that's a lot of money. But then when I invested $10,000, you know, it was like that 1000 or 700 didn't seem that scary. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's the same with actions. When you take that one initial action that seems so scary, like the first time I ever did a Facebook live, I thought my heart was going to pound out of my chest. I was so scared. I had to record it seven times before I went live. (laughs) And then the next time it was less scary. And now when I lead a workshop instead of in front of 200 people or more, it's like, I used to be terrified of that. Now I'm excited by it, you know, but in the beginning, it's never, it's always scary. Anything new is uncomfortable until it isn't. Exactly. And that that's the um, more, more call young psychology stuff. They call it, there's like deep archetypes like within us that people don't like being the fool, but the, the, it's the prophecy of the fool to the king. You can't become the king without being the fool. You have to be able to be uncomfortable and want to be you're like, that's an issue. I always had this. I, I always thought like, if you're thinking like you're going to start something and be good at it, like that's, you better, you, you must be a savant or something. Cause that's not how it works. So just even understanding that is a big piece for people. Cause like, you're going to stink when you first start. That's the point. That's the, that's why you're doing it. Right. So yeah. cool stuff, Tina. Well, dude, thank you so much for your time. This was so much fun. Oh my gosh. No, thank you. I mean, I have the gift of gab. If you haven't realized I could talk forever, but I just want to really thank you because I love what you're doing. I love how you contribute to so many people and allow people to share their stories and you share your story. And thank you for sharing with me too, because it is about connection. And when that's we share- the whole thing. That's the whole thing. And I really appreciate it. That's what we're trying to do. And I love the work you're doing too. Um, everybody could find Tina's notes. Uh, anything that you want to find about Tina below um, anything coming up you want to talk about Tina anything oh my gosh we always have things coming up right there's um, always stuff coming up there's always stuff coming up there's always great stuff you know check us out we have a YouTube channel we run free workshops and we always have a monthly live event and um, yeah all yeah, Tina, Tina's a real one. Yeah, I'll Tina, pop up yeah just Google her. She's a real one because like I, your stuff popped up on the YouTube algorithm. I was like, let me try to go on Instagram and see if I can get somebody from you. I never tried it. It's like, holy shit, I got Tina. Yeah, it's working. So <laughs> thank you for answering, Tina. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, it's my pleasure. You know, I haven't done uh, podcasts in a while um, because I just you know, there's only so much capacity, but when you reached out to me, I did feel a genuine um, connection with you. And of course I checked you out and I'm like, yeah, I like this guy. I like what he's about. I like his story. I like his vulnerability. And, um, you know, I, I like doing podcasts. <laughs> I wish I could, I wish this could be my job going on podcasts all the time. Right, That would be good. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Well, you could just come so, on again next month. Tina. So don't, don't worry about it. We'll have you on, you know, everything, every time something's going on more, more than welcome. So We'll, we'll create like a, you know, a, um, what do you call those? A, not a sitcom, but um, a talk show, you know, like no, it'll be Fridays with Tina. It's amazing. Fridays just, with Tina. Just not yeah. on, a, on a Monday. I'm different. Tina. I'm telling you, Mondays are a little tough when you can tell what I'm doing on Monday. Fridays, you're getting like the, the grace of God. I feel like I feel like I'm flowing today. So it's all good. Oh, my gosh. It's so amazing. Thank you, Scott. You're so no incredible. Problem. Thank you. Thank you. Causing the effect community. Thank you guys so much. Please uh, tell one friend about it and leave a review if you want. Subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, As always, stay safe, stay positive, stay blessed. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.